Hi, Jonathan here. I just want to take a minute to thank you for being a, a radio listener. Um, we cannot do what we do without your partnership. And briefly, I just want to invite you as the year uh, closes out to just consider us as a place where you might be able to financially partner. You know, we need partners like you in order to expand our reach into even more countries and help even more individuals to be able to find the hope and the help that they need to break free from any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. So please consider partnering with us as the year closes out. You can simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link and make your gift there. We'd especially appreciate it if you would consider becoming a monthly partner. That helps us to just expand our reach even more and also gives you an opportunity through the faithful giving to be able to also pray for us as you give on a monthly basis. Again, that's puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Thank you so much and God bless you. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio with your hosts, Jonathan and Stephen. This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'm always excited to be able to introduce my good buddy, Stephen Cervantes. So, Stephen, how are you today? I'm blessed. I'm glad to be here. I don't know why I get excited when we do these podcasts. I'll tell you why. I think that we touch lives with these podcasts. Oh, yeah. And we won't know. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be guys saying, hey, you're the podcast guys. I'm just convinced that God's going to let us celebrate in heaven some of the stuff that happened on earth. Amen. So Jonathan's going to make an announcement on the loudspeaker in heaven. All you gateway guys, we're meeting in the northwest corner. (laughs) And so you're at 10 o'clock. All right, everybody show up. I love it. And all these gateway guys are going to come from north, east, south, west, and we're going to have a little powwow. It'll be a huge celebration. It'll be a lot of fun. And and I, I trust that, too. I trust that God, you know, in his grace does things through us that we just will never be able to see yes. inside of heaven. I think part of that is because, um, I don't know about you, Stephen, but if if God did show me everything that he used me for, mm. I might not be so inclined to give him all the credit. Oh, my, you might my, take my a head could yourself. get pretty big, so I'm glad that he he keeps many, many things hidden so that we can just enjoy that celebration you're talking about later on. You know, I, I read this book. I'm always, I'm getting lines that I love, quotes and stuff. And this guy says, um, do you know what your mission is? You're a leader. And do you know where you're supposed to lead? And he said, what can you do that if you don't do, no one else will do? Mm, that's good. And I thought, this is it. Yeah. You can do stuff that other people can't do. And it won't get done if you don't do it. Yeah. And right now, it's like we're in the zone. If we don't do this, it's not going to get done. Yeah. And how many guys could, you know, sit before a mic and just talk about life and growth? And Well, and that's actually a great segue to what we're going to talk about because um, we're going to talk about the moment of awakening. Because what you're talking about, Stephen, mm. is kind of like what does purpose look like? 
like once you once you step into like really what you're made for like yes. what did god make you for that makes that he made you uniquely for and the thing is is we won't ever experience that if we don't wake up from oh, our the, you're good. The, the strongholds we're in or we wake up from our confusion yes, or and so we're going to be I I really am looking forward to unpacking this because uh, I think it's it's going to be helpful for our listeners both for those who are going to be nodding their heads and going yeah I had that experience too or the ones that are going I haven't yet had that experience. Maybe there's some things I need to explore in terms of this awakening that we're going to be talking about. So, thank you. That was a great intro. So, I have to tell a couple of stories. Uh, One guy, most of the guys we talk to are really emotionally disconnected. I mean, they're relationally disconnected. They, They live their own little lives, and they engage some, but they have all these private, big, ugly lives, right? They're caught up in sexual struggles. In, in acting out and deviancy and fantasy. And I mean, most of the guys that we, we challenge are those men. We call them out from that lifestyle. And there is a moment of transition when you've been lost in something. And that's what we're talking about. So I, I set it up that way to say one guy said, I spent most of my life upstairs in my computer room. And he said, one day I came down to the bottom of the steps. And I said, okay. I'm not going up there today. I'm here. And he's at the bottom of the steps. And he said, I don't know what to do, but I can't go upstairs. And it was like, it was his moment of awakening. He wanted someone, tell me what to do. I'm going to engage life now. I'm not going to go hide in my computer room. And it it was just a moment, but it was so graphic and so perfect because he caught himself coming out of the fog. Yeah, it sounds like what was happening was he was realizing when I retreat, or I would even put it this way, isolate or escape to my computer room, I am missing out on something that I was made for. And Mm. it's like there's – so maybe – and so I see part of his awakening as sort of a double-sided thing. The one is recognizing the emptiness of being continually secluded and isolated in his TV room or in his computer room. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, wanting to pursue or at least step into the environment where that isolation doesn't exist. There's community, there's connection. What you're, what's interesting though, about the way you describe that moment is that we can be very, very, very in tune with what we're trying to step out of and totally ignorant and confused about what we're wanting to step into. Yes. Because he's at the bottom of the stairs going, I know I don't need to be up there, but I don't really know how to be down here. And he said, I wanted people to show up and tell me, right? Because I'm here, I'm present. It's like the first day of class. Well, where do I sit? What do I do? I don't know the new routine. It was beautiful. Yeah. So the second guy says to me, one night I was in the kitchen and it dawned on me, this is the kitchen. This is the kitchen. This is the room my wife wants me to do something in the kitchen. This is the kitchen. <laughs> she, she talks about the kitchen all the time, and I'm in the kitchen. And I, I don't know what she'd been saying, but could you clean the kitchen? Could you right. help me in the kitchen? But he said, and it was like the lights came on. It's so funny. He said, 
this is the kitchen. I lived in this house, right? But you can hear the awakening in that. This is the kitchen. She's been talking about the kitchen. She needs help with the kids and the kitchen. And can you, the kitchen, you know, I just love that. What I love about that is it's almost like there can be increments to the awakening. Like, hey, there'd been more than just hints dropped. That's right. But then there's a moment where, (laughs) ah, I get it now. I understand a piece of what's been trying to be explained to me. Now, does that mean that he, in that moment, fully and completely and comprehensively understood everything about what his wife meant by all this? No, but it's like he he had a huge moment in stepping forward. A bringing more of himself his, than he'd ever brought forward, yeah. right, to the kitchen. Yeah, those that are good examples. Good. I love that. Now, I, I have one. Those are the, the freeing, joyful stories. There's one other one I have. Where a guy, he came in, he's really sad. He said, I just can't fight anymore. Mm. I can't fight against it anymore. I, I, I don't have any joy. Because all of my tools, I can't use them anymore. All I know is I cannot fight my wife anymore. And that was his awakening. And it was very sad because there was no freedom or peace or joy. Mm. He was realizing, I can't use any of my tools, any of my routines. I cannot be opposite her, right? And there was a heaviness and a sadness and a kind of a concession that he had to, you know. And I don't know if the joy comes later or I don't know if it's just sometimes brutal and that sometimes, man, if you want what you want so bad and you've been fighting and demanding and and, and now we're 10 years into this thing and you realize, wow, I, I can't fight anymore. Well, you know, it's one of the things that comes to my mind and I don't want to make it seem too much of a parallel because it's a completely different context and different story and everything. But I actually think of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he has this encounter with God. And, you know, you have to understand, Isaiah had the pedigree. He was a scholar. He was a writer. He was, so he was the cream of the crop. Like when you look, it's, you know, when, when, um, even in the scriptures, when he's referred to, he's called the prophet. Uh. Like, so he's sort of the supreme of all the prophets. Okay. And, um, and yet when he has this encounter with the Lord, there is a sense of awakening where he says, I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. Uh, and unclean so it's almost as if he recognizes all my tools yes. have done nothing to clean me up in your presence. Uh, and so, again, I'm not saying it's a parallel, but I get that same kind no, of vibe yeah. from this guy of going, I've tried to bring everything I have to this. Yeah. And kind of the awakening I'm having is it, it's not working. I, I'm not able to to get what I thought I could get through using all of my And I can't pound anymore or fight or yell or hold out or silent treatment, whatever thing you could do. I can't do that anymore. And there's Mm -hmm. a sadness that was with it. But it's a type of awakening, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so I don't, and I say this one because I don't want everybody to go, oh, I'm supposed to have one of these big aha moments. Because sometimes it's just sadness and you got to walk through that grief Mm-hmm. And walk out of that grief, but you got to hold that grief for a while. It'll help you not be stupid, be sad, don't fight the old way, right? So, so I'm, I've been, 
uh, every now and then somebody will talk to me and it will make my spirit jump and I go, oh my goodness, this is good. We got to capture this. We got to use this. This is God sending this man to teach the rest of the men. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we're in a giant classroom, you and I, and we just got thousands of men that are listening. It's like, what's the lesson this week, boys? Yeah. And it's like God sent someone and I had the ability to capture it. And he said, it's okay to use my story to bless other men. So, so here we go. Here we go. This is what this guy in his awakening moment said. I get it. I get it. I cannot get fixed alone. I've been trying to fix myself for years alone. I get it. I can't fix myself alone. I need help. And here is my simple transformational truth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here it is. I do not understand emotions. That's it. I do not understand emotions. And if that's true, then think about this. Or or said this way, it explains why I can't solve my own emotional struggles. Mm-hmm. I don't understand emotions. I've been trying to fix this problem alone. I've been trying to fix my emotional problems alone, and I don't understand emotions. I don't understand emotions, and I have a lot of emotional problems, and I've been trying to fix them alone, but I don't understand emotions. But I have a lot of emotional struggles. You're looking blank, Jonathan. I'm just going, that's a hamster wheel that's hard to get off. That's exactly right. And he says, I finally get it. I've been on the hamster wheel. And I've been trying to figure things out with my little limited toolbox. And I have to understand emotions, but I nobody gave me the how-to manual. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've been reading them, trying to find some manual. And, and, I've, and I've done it alone. So, I mean, there's several components. I understand emotions, but I'm an emotional mess. I can't fix me alone. i got to get some help. And that's and you can almost see a, uh, a, if I can put it in these terms, you almost see a progression towards the awakening. And what I mean is, there's the aha, right? I finally get it. I can't do this alone. Yes. And then within that, the recognition that my issue is I don't understand emotions, which then brings him back to. I can't do this alone, so therefore, in order to f- fix this issue of that I don't understand emotions, I can't sit here out here on my own and keep trying to figure out my emotional problems. So it's like the original sort of aha led him into what am, what is it that I'm really saying aha about, and how do these things then fit together? Because it's kind of like the aha had a had a double component. I don't, I can't do this alone. What can't I do alone? Fix my emotional problems, so I need to actually get yes, help and with I, that. and and think about this. I have emotional struggles. My wife has emotional struggles. My kids have emotional struggles. My friends have people at church have emotional struggles, and I don't understand emotions. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get myself fixed and do something. So it's just like this big aha. But if you think about it, if if you're teaching your children words like grief, grief through that rest get you know be sad but then move back to capturing your joy and what maturity and being open to learning right if you give your children words and labels and insights and thoughts then they will never say i don't understand emotions mm. 
the person that says I don't understand emotions came from a home where they're where they didn't talk or they just screamed at each other or nobody was home. There's no understanding of emotions, but I have to go forward now in life. So he says, I finally get it. So the next phase, he says, is this. Today, I must leave pride at the door. My pride. Pride cannot journey with me as I go forward. Proud, I know, my way. My past is full of pain. To go forward, I must go backwards and explore my emotional growing up stories. I have old hurts and a history of loneliness. I don't know how to comfort myself, and I don't know how to comfort my wife. I wanted my mom and dad to comfort me, but dad chose alcohol over his family, and mother was stressed and distant. I wanted someone to reassure me, someone to comfort me. I wanted to feel safe. Let's mm. pause there. Yeah, so there's a there's a lot to unpack here. I've been sort of quickly underlying just some key words I mm-hmm. see in the statement. Certainly the pride issue there yes. is one in terms of I got to leave pride at the door. And I think sometimes you can have a pronounced moment like that where you recognize, man, I've made life all about me and I've tried to make all the ends meet what I want. <laughs> but then it can be difficult to understand how do you leave pride at the door? And so I see him unpacking then a lot of this other stuff. He recognizes the reality of pain in his past. He realizes he needs to go deeper into those stories, probably with, and certainly from the original aha, he needs to do that in the context of community and, and counseling and those kinds of things. But then there's other words that come in here that I recognize that, that help me to recognize that he is seeing the true needs that he has when I when I hear the the word comfort yes. over and over the fact that he's he's not been able to comfort himself doesn't know how to do that the idea that he has sought reassurance throughout his life I mean there's a lot of confusion I'm making decisions I'm I'm acting like a man but do I really do I have a sense of assurance that I'm kind of going in the right direction I'm working on the right things I'm building the right skills the idea of being safe and having fears all these kinds of things. I recognize that part of what he is seeing in terms of leaving pride at the door is opening himself up to exploring all these emotional vulnerabilities mm-hmm. that probably before he has masked with pride. I'm a man. I got it all together. I know how to do this. And, you know, that's when we find our coping mechanisms because we recognize, you know what? I do have fears. I, I don't know how to comfort myself or comfort others. I need to be reassured. I need, you know, affirmation. Mm. So do you, does that make That's sense? Great. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Comfort and reassurance. And don't we all need that? And either you got it and you learned it, and now you can share it with your wife and kids. Or if you never learned it, it's hard to share something you don't know. Because he said, I have a history of loneliness, mm-hmm. being alone, left alone. I even now live alone in this relationship, right? I live over in my own space. I hide my own place. And yeah, I come out and talk. But I, but there's a real sense that I'm, I have pride, so I'm going to fake it. But I'm really lonely. I don't know how to comfort me and reassure you or comfort you. And so... Can't you just imagine this being a very dry relationship that he mm-hmm. lives in, that that a wife is saying, I, I'd like some comfort. Or, Could you just reassure me? Or, or why do you go it, off to be alone so much? Well, and think about where he where he learned that. What did he say? Dad chose alcohol over his family. Mm. Mom was stressed and distant. 
Mm-hmm. So these things help you see, make the connection to these current issues of, I don't know comfort, I don't know reassurance, I don't know safety, you know, I don't know vulnerability. Right. And so what did I learn to do? And so what and is And you he... put on a mask and you tell you, you make it seem like you know what you're doing. Pride. And, and where does he get comfort? You and I, it's not in this dialogue, but where does he get comfort? Oh, what? he goes to things like porn and there he goes you go. to you know, other sexual outlets. This and... is, to be pride prideful is to fake it. Right. Mm-hmm. But to have no comfort to live alone, man, you are prepped or primed for a sexual addiction. Right, you better get some comfort somewhere, and in fantasy land, oh, you can get comfort. Mm-hmm. So, so he goes on. This guy went on for a while to share this with me, and I captured as much as I could to share with you. So he said, "There's two fears that that have haunted me. I hate being alone. I hate being alone. Mm-hmm. Number one, and then number two, he said." I have this problem. I call it being in my head. I hate being alone, and I hate being in my head. So here's what being in my head means. I think, then I feel hurt. I try to stop hurting. I can't. So I think some more. I feel hurt. I try to stop hurting. I can't stop hurting. I repeat this process over and over, mm-hmm. and I can't solve it. Then throw in some thoughts of being alone, feeling disrespected, add an unhappy wife, and uh, some stress. And I start thinking about how my hurting has impacted others. I know the problem. It's being in my head. I just explained the problem, but can somebody tell me a solution? I've had this problem all my life. You want me to tell the solution? <laughs> I think we should break right there in this story. Yeah. So. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I can, I can relate to that idea of being in in, in your head. Um, and And typically, when people say that, the idea of being in my head, it's got a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. People don't say... Yeah, I call it being in my head where I have joyful thoughts of my identity in Christ and how much purpose and meaning and and gratitude there is. You know, it's like, no, usually being in my head means I'm spinning in this direction. I'm spiraling towards these thoughts of despair Mm. and hopelessness and confusion, because that's really what's happening here, um, is I can't resolve it. I can't resolve it. And the thing is, the more we spiral, the more we are only seeing that there's one outcome and it's not good. And his, Which is what? His Which... one outcome is it's I, I have all this pain and no solution for it, and where does that leave me? And so I have to pause and distract myself with something, right? Yeah. Or something will pull me out, a screaming kid, a honking horn or something, but if when I, because he said I hate when I'm in my head. Well, and so to put it in a word where he lands is hopelessness, mm. and that is, I think, the problem of being in your head is in this way is then it creates a sense of hopelessness, saying all these factors that I bring in here in terms of being disrespected, thoughts of being alone, you know, I feel hurt, um, unhappy wife, stress, all these kinds of things, um, because. He's trying to, as he puts it here, um, stop hurting, 
then he's coming to the sense of hopelessness. When I hear him say over and over, and I try to stop hurting, I try to stop hurting, I try to stop hurting, what I hear in that is he's bringing his resources, his tools, right? I mean, and that was part of the aha moment, right? Hey, I can't do this, and, and you know, I, I, I'm not well with emotions. So when he gets into his head, what's he doing? He's saying, the only thing I have at my disposal are my tools. And mm, I would say, I don't want to, I want to jump, I don't want to jump too quickly to solutions. But one of the things that has been transformative in my life is to remember, wait, when I start getting into my head, I must take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Mm. There are other tools at my disposal in the spiritual that if I'm just trying to use my intellect, just trying to use right. my reasoning, Amen. I have to remember, wait, God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Yes. Can I bring his spirit to bear yes. on what's going on in my head? And that's perfect because can you invite the Holy Spirit into the alone place? Mm. I'm a, I, don't, I hate being alone. Well, invite the Spirit to be with you when you're alone. And then when the crazy cycle starts, just say, okay, can you be here with this and maybe show me something or just help me rest with it and you know, help it not be so much, so much noise in my head. Mm-hmm. So I like that he said I have two fears because we all have fears, right? Yeah. And he said, I got two fears. And it, he said them in almost in a tormenting sort of way, right? Over and I hurt and I try to make it stop and I can't make it stop and I hurt and it's like a tormenting and I hurt. And then he said, I hurt me. I hurt my wife. I hurt other people. Mm. The end result of what's going on in my head is hurt, and I cannot stop. I don't know what to do with the hurt. I can't stop hurting me and hurting them. And it just goes on and on. So I'd rather turn the TV on and get out of my head and try to get lost in something else, right? And and when I look at those two fears, man, the, the enemy is so crafty <clears throat> because— Neither one of those things is wrong or bad in and of itself, being alone or being in your head. Because if you think about it, mm-hmm. really the journey that this guy's going to be, I mean, he's had a moment of awakening where he's recognizing his fears, right? But the journey of transformation is going to realize that there is a positive nature to aloneness that we call solitude. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we're, we're, we're encouraged and invited by the Lord to be still and know that he's got to get away with him. Jesus modeled this for us. He often right. withdrew to lonely places to pray. So there's a sense in which it's not being alone that is in and of itself the problem, but how it has manifested itself in his history that creates a fear, which is like, when I'm alone, what do I do? I get in my head and all I can think about are all the negative things. The other thing too about being in your head, we're told that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. You got to get into your head to have your mind renewed. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, that's a so, good thought. Yeah. So I guess all I'm trying to offer here is the awakening moment is the recognition of what is a problem. Yes. But sometimes even recognizing the problem, the context itself of the problem is not wrong. Aloneness being in your head. The problem is... What have been the focal points in that context? The focal points when he's alone is he gets in his head and he thinks about all of the negative aspects of his right. life. So some of it is then being retrained mm-hmm. to be able to say, is it really the context that's the problem here? Or is it how I've been engaging right. that right. context? That's good. So a couple other thoughts here. And then he makes a shift. He said, my observation is this. I'm like a bank. I lock all emotions inside, and my vault is full of emotional confusion. 
I keep all emotional pain locked inside. I think, I hurt, and I find no solution. And periodically, I erupt in anger. And after erupting, I'm embarrassed, so I run away and isolate myself. My failure and aloneness, I act out. Using one of my vices, porn, fantasy, or comforting sexual activities. I'm a bank. I lock everything inside. I got no solution. I can't take it. I erupt. Then I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Then I'm throwing a big ugly fit. And then I go be by myself alone. Mm -hmm. And in there, in the alone place, I find some comfort. Bad comfort. Right. Not good comfort. Well, and uh, we're out of time. So, uh, (laughs) but here's the thing: to create discomfort. But yeah, exactly. But this, this, maybe this will create the the suspense. There you go. That's necessary for listeners to come back next time because there's quite a bit that we still want to unpack in terms of you know taking ownership, dealing with the thoughts, and crying out, and then actually having a new plan for how to respond to the awakening. So, listeners, I do hope that you have. You've been able to really gain something from this in terms of if you have experienced this and you're kind of nodding your head and realizing, yes, I've, I've had that awakening, and you want to continue to grow in the things that you need to address, please contact us. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you're a person that's been listening to this and says, wait a second, I, I may still be in the dark. There's some things that I, you know, I'm still up in my, you know, uh, computer room, metaphorically speaking, yeah. and I need, to, com- I need to come down the stairs. Yeah. I need to deal with some of this stuff. Then we would also love to hear from you. You can go to our website or uh, you can contact us on Twitter at Pure Sex Radio. But reach out to us. We want to help you on this journey, and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Thanks. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.